years since we've had the privilege to be here. And uh, my wife is in Kenai with some other ladies. And she regrets not being able to be with you with us this evening. And then I've got our oldest son, Jonathan, just to give you an update on where the family is. Um, we have this problem in Glen Allen. We don't have a printer that's close by. And so all of our prayer cards are like 2010. So if you saw our prayer card, it's got all the kids, all the boys as like still in diapers and all that stuff. Um, Jonathan's now graduated high school. He's in Seward. He's down at uh, Resurrection Bay Baptist Church there. And he is uh, working down there in heavy diesel mechanic and doing some operating. And then Nathaniel is a senior this year, and he's in Cordova running cross-country meet this weekend. And the other boys are at the house taking care of the things there. As Preacher mentioned, we did get about 10 inches of snow uh, this past Tuesday, Wednesday. And I do not have a presentation as far as a video other than snow. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow, all right? How many of you like snow? Okay, that's a dumb question. How many of us wish we were in Florida? Amen? Hallelujah. Well, I'll give you a little bit of update of what God has done. 2010, some of you may not, some of you may be new. So I'll just go back to the start. 2010, um, 2006, I came to Alaska on a mission trip to Talkeetna. I was assistant pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church in Whitfield, Virginia. And God allowed me the opportunity to come on a missions trip to Talkeetna and I helped build the parsonage, part of the parsonage there at Talkeetna Baptist Church. Brother West is there. I got on the airplane, flew back in 2006 and knew in my heart that God wanted me back in Alaska. I did not know when, where, or how, but I just knew God wanted our family in Alaska. Uh, Begin to make some phone calls. About a year went by, made some phone calls, called Pastor Roach, and he gave me, put me in contact with Brother Kent LeBeau there in Glen Allen. And um, from that opportunity, we moved up here in 2010, June of 2010. And we have uh, Brother LeBeau and his family moved out just shortly after that. They went to the Bahamas. I've been still waiting for that call from the Lord, you know, from Glen Allen to the Bahamas. I'm still waiting for that one. But, uh, so they, were in the, they went to the Bahamas, and God, just in my heart, I knew that somebody needed to stay in Glen Allen. And I would encourage you in two, two regards. I like to encourage you a lot of things, but two things. As often as possible, take mission trips. As often as possible, Get your children, get your family involved in mission trips somewhere. We took, as when I was assistant pastor, youth pastor, we took mission trips across America with our young people there at the church in Virginia. And I'm grateful. One of those young ladies that was, went on the, one of those mission trips is now serving the Lord in, in a closed country. And I'm grateful for what God has done and is doing. If you open your heart... And see the burden. God will do tremendous things. So get, get yourself involved in mission trips. And then also I'd like to just encourage you. Best I can. Is. As, as a missionary. As a person. As a Christian. Our community needs us. Our communities need us. 
we are blessed in the fact that we get to serve in many different areas. I just finished my EMT3 uh, certifications through the state of Alaska this past May. And I, I get to see people in their worst. I found out what that worst was this past Sunday when our church building. My phone goes off and says, Old Paz Baptist Church, structure fire. My heart dropped. And they're like, they, for the firemen got on the scene and they're like, well, everybody can stand down if you're not here on the scene. I was like, nah, I'm coming. I'm, I'm coming out. And so we uh, got there. They got the fire out. And uh, we got most of the damage already repaired. Nothing serious done there, but grateful for that. I remember my first winter in Glen Allen. My first winter there, it was 56 below zero. It was 40 below zero for three, four straight weeks. And I was going, God, what am I doing here? Why, why am I here at 56 below zero? Everybody else was asleep, but I stayed up to make sure the pipes didn't freeze because I did not want to be that guy who fell asleep and all of the pipes froze. And so, uh, but from then, we have, we have seen some dra- rather dramatic temperatures. Last year, we saw 62 below zero. The boys were out riding snow machines, Brother Penix. God bless them. I sent them to do that stuff at 60 below zero. I'm not going there. But uh, we had, they had a great time. And, and we just, just being involved in our community, doing, getting, doing things involved in the community has greatly helped us and been an asset to us in our ministry. As I said, I've, get to, I've got to see people in their worst. And uh, be able to offer prayer to somebody as you're putting them in the back of an ambulance, say, can I pray with you? You stop that airplane, you stop that, that paramedic, and you begin to pray with somebody. Uh, it, it, does, it does ring. You may not get to witness to them, but you get to pray with them. And uh, God, God begins to speak and stir hearts. I want to thank this church for your faithful support to us. Uh, thank you so much. I, I'm a little disappointed. I, I shared this just a little bit earlier. When Brother LeBeau was there, everybody came up and helped him cut firewood. I mean, it was a yearly pilgrimage. Everybody came to Glen Allen to cut firewood. Now the only thing I get is, hey, brother, we're coming through. <clears throat> we're going moose hunting. Praise the Lord. I got firewood still needs to be cut. Anybody, anybody wants to come up and help cut firewood? We still cut firewood there in Glen Allen. Amen, brother. <laughs> Is that the way that works now? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to be filling it. Brother Penix, you, you understand this. I'm going to be filling it because the boys are getting older. They're getting out of the house. And it's like, okay, Mama, that's a lot of firewood for you to be bringing in now. But uh, Acts chapter number 8, Acts chapter number 8, one of the areas that God has allowed us to serve and work there is um, we work with the Copper Basin 300 Sled Dog Race. It is a qualifying race for the Iditarod and also for the Yukon Quest. And a lot of the mushers that run these larger thousand mile races, they have to run our race or another race similar to that to be able to run in the Iditarod. And so they come to Glen Allen, and our church for the last eight years has been the finish line for the Copper Basin 300 Sled Dog Race. Matter of fact, if you come to Glen Allen, you'll still see the finish line sign still set up right there in our church parking lot. They'll come in on a Monday and a Tuesday. Our ladies and our folks at the church fix coffee and hot chocolate and soups and cookies, 
and from Tuesday to Wednesday, Tuesday to uh, Monday to Tuesday, excuse me, all those mushers will come into our church building. They'll sit down. They'll drink a cup of coffee. All of our coffee cups have the plan of salvation printed on them. They'll get a napkin with the gospel printed on it. Um, they'll get free food. Don't charge them anything. And it's been a great opportunity. Some of the world's renowned mushers who would never enter a church building have sat in our church building and I've watched them read the plan of salvation. I've been able to give them a waterproof New Testament. There's one that if I mentioned her name, she's finished second now. I did a rod many years. When she and her husband come through Glen Allen, they call me. Hey, you just want to stop by and say hey. I encourage you as much as possible, get involved in people's lives. Get involved in their, in their lives. Tonight I want to preach a message that I've, I preached recently at our church. And I, I preached it at my church because God began to convict me. I'm going to ask you a simple question tonight out of the book of Acts, the 8th chapter. And the message is this. The question is, who is your one? Who is your one? I could tell you right now that in a village two hours, an hour and a half north of Glen Allen, there's a gentleman that comes to our Bible study every Sunday afternoon. He's one of my ones. If you drive through Glen Allen, you'll come to a, and you have an accident or you have something where you need a tow truck, there's a gentleman in Glen Allen who has, owns the tow company. He's one of my ones. The book of Acts, we find a young man or a, a man in the ministry by the name of Philip who God has called him to go minister to one. To go share the gospel with one. There's seven billion people on our earth. Seven billion. I remember when that number was six billion. Of that seven billion people that are on the face of the earth, one billion claim Christianity. Seven billion, one billion claims Christianity. Of that seven billion people, there are 11,500 different ethnic groups. And of these different ethnic groups, 6,800 of that 11,500 have limited access to the gospel. That translates, if my math is correct, and I did not do the math, I let somebody else much smarter than me do it, that translates to 3.8 billion people who have very limited or no access to the gospel. 3.8 billion people with limited to no access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, who is that person that God has put on your heart to be your one? You say, preacher, I can't reach 3.8 billion people. 
I will make a very strong statement to you. I cannot reach the 300 to 500 people that live in Glen Allen. There's 2,500 people that live in the area the size of the state of Ohio that make up the Copper River Basin. I will never reach all 2,500 of those people. You say, why would you not? You're, you're not doing your job. There's reasons that our paths may never cross. There are instances where they may be gone or they may not be there or something. I may never see them. But I believe in my heart that God has given me individuals that there are my ones that He wants me to reach. I do not go, there's not a day that goes by that I do not say prayers and I do not pray for Scott or Junior. Because I believe with all my heart that God has placed them in my life as my one. Acts chapter number 8, the Bible tells us in verse number 26, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, and read Isaiah the prophet. Then... The Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. I love verse 30. And Philip ran thither to him. And Philip ran thither to him. And he heard him read the prophet. And he said, Understandest thou what thou readest? Verse 31, And he said, How can I? except some man should guide me. And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearers, so opened he not his mouth. Church, this, this evening I would like to share with you this thought. Again, the title, Who is Your One? As I think about this text tonight, I want you to think about that there is the sovereignty of God that we see displayed. The Bible tells us in verse number 26 and verse number 27, the Bible tells us, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, and said, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem. You find here that there is, there is the sovereignty of God. As believers, as children of God, I believe it is imperative that we be sensitive to when the Spirit of God leads us. When God leads, when God guides us, we need to be sensitive. You know what that means? That means we need to be clear of the sin that may be in our life that may keep us from hearing the Spirit of God. Keep a good testimony. I remember I got on that plane in 2006. I was flying back to southwest Virginia. And in my heart of hearts, I knew, God, you're calling me to Alaska. I don't know when, I don't know how, and I don't know where. But I'll tell you what happened. I'll tell you a very interesting story. 
Several years prior to that, I had been traveling neighborhood Bible time. It's a program that goes out and goes to different churches, and they run vacation Bible school with the help of the churches. And it's a it's a good program. And I was working that program, and I visited the church in Medford, Massachusetts, of a pastor. Little did I know that God would use this man in my life, Brother McGovern. I was on our bus route in, in Withfield. I was driving down through these apartment complexes and I noticed his car kept following me. As I would make a turn, he would follow me. And I would make my next turn, go to my next house or my next apartment. This car would follow me. I finally had had enough of being followed. I stepped out of the bus and I walked back to the car and I said, Sir, can I help you? He said, Sir, I believe if you... He said, Young man, he said, if I, if, if I see you, you're going to church because you have a church bus, you probably have a pretty good church. And I said, well, I like to think we have a great church. He goes, I was just following you to your church. As I sat there and I was thinking about the conversation that I had as I was driving our bus back to church, my mind began to replay this individual. He was the pastor of that church in Medford, Massachusetts. This was in 2007, October of 2007. I was... Finishing up my ninth year of ministry in that church. I was getting ready to go get on my bus to go back and to drop the children back off. And I walked back to shake hands with this pastor. And I said, Pastor, I just want to thank you for your ministry. And I want to just say goodbye to you. And he said, young man, he grabbed my hand. He said, young man, I want to ask you a question. I said, yes, sir. He goes, when are you going to do what God has put in your heart to do? 2006, I knew the Lord was calling me to Alaska. 2007, this pastor said, when are you going to do what God has called you to do? I had the great occasion of just that a few nights later going and laying down in the bed with my wife and telling her God's called us to Alaska. That was not the easiest conversation we've ever had in our marriage. She was leaving her family, her family, she, that was in the church that she had grown up in. Her grandmother and her family, her parents, her dad was a song director of that church. And I, and I went and said, hey baby, God's called us to a lot. We're, we're going where? I, I told our church secretary, I said, I'd like to have a map of Alaska. Our church secretary goes, well that's just right above New York, isn't it? I said, yeah, it's just right above New York. It's right there somewhere. Church, I believe with my heart that if I had not been sensitive to the Spirit of God, when God spoke, if I had not said, God, I am willing to do what you want me to do, I don't care about where it's at, I don't care what it is, God, I just want to be sensitive. If I had not been sensitive, if I had let something in my life hinder the work of God, I would not be in Glen Allen, Alaska tonight. As believers, we need to be sensitive to the Spirit's leading there are people that are around us that are dying and going to hell that God wants us to take the gospel and share with them. I believe those two individuals that I have named to you tonight, if I had not been sensitive to the Spirit of God, I would not have had the occasion that I've had to stop and share the gospel with both of these individuals, plus several, several others. What is it? We need to see that God's direction, we need to see God's desire. I am reminded that the Lord has interest 
and the seven billion people that are on the face of the earth. But I also see in this verse of Scripture that God has interest in just one. That individual that God has put in your life, that person that you're thinking about right now, that grandmother, that grandfather, that aunt, that uncle, you pray with me. I've got an uncle that's on his deathbed with COVID tonight, and he's lost and he needs Christ. My parents are witnessing to him and trying to share with him the gospel. But as I think about, there's, there's relatives, there's loved ones, there's children that we have, there's, there's brothers and sisters that Christ died on the cross. And maybe one of them is your one. God's desire, God's direction. Verse 27, the Bible tells me that Philip was devoted. The Bible tells us that he arose and he went. I just preached a message to our church on this past Wednesday night. We have trouble seeing the big picture. You know, we look at life through our mortal, fleshy eyes. But God's got a bigger picture. Philip could have said, you know what, God, I'm I'm pretty happy where I'm at. There's a great revival taking place here. I've seen Simon the sorcerer come to know you. Lord, I've seen great things happen. But as soon as that Spirit of God began to speak, the Bible tells me that Philip arose and he went. You know what hinders me a lot of times from being sensitive to the Spirit of God? Is busyness. Busyness. I don't like to share this testimony, but I believe I need to share this testimony. I'd left our church on a Sunday morning. I drove to Mentasta. I'd pre- preached our 3 o'clock service in Mentasta. I have just enough time that I can do a service from 3 to 4. If I get back in my vehicle at 4 o'clock, I can be back at church at 6 and do our evening service at 6. I got in my vehicle. I drove from Glen Allen, or from Mentasta back down to Glen Allen. As I rounded the corner there at the hub, many of you have been through that area. If you've not, you need to come visit it. Glen Allen, the church is right there. You come visit the church. It would be great. Not during moose season either. But we, uh, as I rounded the corner, I saw an entire convoy of military rigs. They leave Anchorage, they travel to uh, Fort Greeley, they either travel to Fort Greeley, they travel to Black Rapids to do their cold weather training. There's probably 30 or 40 military rigs sitting on the side of the road, they're waiting to fuel up. They have their own fuel trucks that travel with them and they fuel up behind the hub, the gas station in Glen Allen. I rounded that corner and somewhere in the recesses of my heart, God said, you've got some military tracks in your church. But here's the busyness of life. I rounded the corner, preacher, and as I rounded the corner, I saw those trucks, and I walked into our, pulled into our church parking lot, and I went and got behind my pulpit and I preached, and the entire time I'm watching those military trucks creep closer and closer and closer, and I knew in my heart that because of my busyness, I was not being sensitive to the Spirit of God. 
one of the greatest regrets I have in ministry to this day is watching every one of those military trucks replay in my mind those young men and young women driving past my church and God said, take them a track. And because I was busy with... Church is a good thing. But I wasn't being sensitive to the Spirit of God. God's desire, God's direction, but I see Philip's devotion. Verse number 28 down to verse number 35. I've already read these verses. The Bible says, was returning and sitting in his chariot. He read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto him, Philip, go near and join thyself to his chariot. Notice the condition that you find this eunuch in. This man was a man that was returning from a religious feast in Jerusalem. He was a religious man. He had all sorts of religion. But he didn't have a relationship. There's a lot of folks that sit around us and near us that are religious. But they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They know the words, they know the terminology, they know the, the dialect, but they do not know Christ. There is a day, today is a day of great uncertainty. Today is a day of great uncertainty. A certainty of the circumstances of the world that's around them. And people are looking and people are longing and people are desiring the very thing that you and I have. And the very thing that you and I hold so precious and so dear. And they want the gospel. But because of our business, because of our schedules, because of our fleshy lives, we fail to reach our one. Told you there's a gentleman in our community. Share you a story. Share with you a story. <clears throat> you are aware that the the highway between Toke and Glen Allen is not the smoothest of highways. If you've never traveled that section of highways, you need to just for kicks and giggles. The road from Glen Allen to Anchorage is not the smoothest of highways either. This gentleman owns a tow, tow company there in Glen Allen. Within the last year, we've had two produce trucks wreck. What a blessing. He's like, Jason, we got another produce truck wreck. Can you help me? I said, sure. I'll bring my trailer. I'll be right there. We have loaded our, my snow machine trailer to the gills of produce. We've hauled it to church and we've hauled it to other people and community there. That, and we've just given away free produce. Two months ago, or less than a month ago, he calls me. He goes, Jason, there's, a, there's another truck that's wrecked. But I said, he goes, can you help me? I said, sure. Where's it at? It's at the Canadian border. Hallelujah. 
7 o'clock on a Thursday night. Let's just go to the Canadian border and pick up a produce truck. We got in the tow truck. He was driving one. I was driving another one. And we drove to the Canadian border. Six hours. What he failed to mention to me was he could not upright the truck with just his own equipment. So he brought the tow company. He also hired a tow company out of Anchorage. So we could not do anything until these folks from Anchorage showed up. It was a blessing. Two o'clock in the morning, I'm sitting in a tow truck sharing the plan of salvation. Three o'clock in the morning, I'm sitting in a tow truck answering questions about the plan of salvation. I can tell you tonight, he did not trust Christ as the Savior that I know of. But I know that God puts you in circumstances and puts you in places so the gospel of Jesus Christ can be shared. Are we going to be sensitive? When God says, this is your open door, are we going to be like Philip and say, I'm there, Lord. I'm there. Jump in and say, God, you, you just lead. You guide. God, you help me. I'm going to get, go dive in deep in this conversation. Whatever God comes out of my mouth is going to be from you. The conversation that Philip had was a conversation where he shared the very precious thing with this eunuch. A religious man, but a man that did not know Christ. I tell you tonight, testify to you tonight that if you want somebody, you want to share the gospel with somebody, the greatest testimony that you have is not what God's done for your preacher. It's not what God's done for your spouse or what God's, the greatest testimony that I have tonight is what God's done for me. Where God has brought me from, what God has brought me out of, and where God has set me at and where God is putting me today, that is the greatest testimony. Because I know the wretchedness of Jason Seaver. And I know the grace of God that it took to save me. And I have nothing to boast in this evening other than Christ and His saving grace. I was sitting with this individual in his tow truck and we were sitting there waiting on the other tow company to show up. And as we sat there, we were discussing what's going to happen to the produce and we were discussing what's going to happen here. We, the conversation began and I said, let me do, I said Scott, let me just, let me just share, share with you what God's done for me lately. And I began to testify what God had been doing and how God had been working. And that led a conversation to where God was, gave me the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. Why? Because somebody was sensitive. Philip proclaimed, he opened, the Bible says in verse number 35, he opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus we must be willing to tell, to tell the lost that there is a hell and there is a heaven to gain. The book of the Bible is a book about Him, a book about Jesus. And if we, are fail, if we fail to mention Jesus and to share Jesus, we have failed. We have a lot of interest being Alaskans. I can consider myself in Alaska. I've been here 11 years. I consider myself, we have a lot of interest. 
You walk into somebody's yard, oh, that's a skidoo, or that's a, that's a Polaris, or that's this, or that. We, can, we, we know terminology. When you, begin, when you and I be, to begin to proclaim Jesus Christ, that terminology may not be the same on the receiving end, but if we will be sincere and proclaim Jesus, the gospel will go forth. I love your theme for your missions conference. God has just recently given, our, given me our theme for our missions conference. The Bible tells us if we follow Him, He will make us fishers of men. We begin singing a song, I've decided to follow Jesus. Preacher, I'm not going to sing. We were discussing that later earlier today. But I have decided to follow Jesus. Because if I will follow Christ, He'll make me fishers of men. I share with you that very last in closing tonight. There's a salvation that's received. The eunuch and his belief, the Bible says in verse number 30, 37, excuse me. And it came to pass in those days that she was, I'm in the wrong chapter, pardon me. Verse 37, and Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the heart and the purpose of our efforts. It's not the social gathering. It's not the political gathering. It's not the, the, uh, the social gospel. It is the, great, it's the greatest purpose of all that people may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But how shall they believe if nobody shares it with them? How shall they hear if nobody goes? How shall your one that God has placed on your heart tonight hear the gospel if you don't tell them? We travel two hours every Sunday. We travel to Mentasta. We turn around and travel back to our church services on Sunday night. Sometimes we have one. Sometimes we have two. The most I've ever had there is five. But I can count. I, I mean, I can, I can go back and look at the calendar. In the four years that we've been going to this village, most of the services we've gone, there's only been one individual. You say, Jason, is it worth it? Yeah. It's worth it when he put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's well worth it. You know what? I'm praying that God would help us to start a ministry, a church, get a church planted there. Not for our glory, not for our justification, but for the glory of God. You pray with us about that. That God would open that door. I will remind us tonight that God is interested in one. How do you know that, preacher? Because God was interested in me. And He was interested in you. Five years of age, we had a Juanas at our church. 
I'll never forget, as long as I live, we had left our church. My dad asked me. I was riding in the back of their car, of course. I was five years of old. I wasn't driving them. And my dad goes, what did you do for Awanas? And I began to tell him, what was your lesson about? And I began to tell him. And he goes, what did you have for snack? And I'll never forget, I said, we had root beer and something else. And my dad looked at me and goes, they served you root beer at church? Conviction fell all over me. I drank root beer at church. I didn't get saved that night. But I, I learned what conviction was because of that little simple conversation. A few weeks later, I knelt down beside my parents' waterbed. And I prayed and asked Jesus Christ to be my personal Lord and Savior. I can tell you tonight that Jesus is interested in one. I was a five-year-old boy. Knelt down beside a parent, my parents' waterbed. And because I did not want to go to hell... I ask Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. We sing that song this evening, throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline. I'm interested in this verse, or this the course, someone is drifting away. Throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline. Someone is sinking today. Who's that one in your life? that you need to throw the lifeline out to? Who's that person that God has placed in your life that they need the lifeline of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Who's your one this evening? Father, we thank you for this night. I thank you for this church and for the great testimony and the great emphasis of missions that they have. I thank you for their faithfulness to us and support to us. Prayerful support. God, I pray that you would do a mighty work in this invitation. Or there may be somebody here this evening that does not know Christ as their personal Savior. God, help them to put their faith and trust in Christ. But as a body of believers that believe in, as, in God, God, would you please show us who that one is that you want us to be sharing the gospel with in this day that we're living in. In Jesus' name, Pastor. Amen. With heads bowed and eyes closed. Who is that one? Maybe you're sitting here and you, can, you, and you have nobody on your mind right now. And that's a different condition you have going on. You need to be praying right now that somebody would, that the Lord would put at least one right on your heart. Lord, please. The people that God puts into our life is never by accident. He started off by talking about the sovereignty of God. It's one of my favorite doctrines. And has nothing to do with Calvinism. But the sovereignty of God is incredible. The people that God puts around you is not by accident. Your co-workers, who your bosses, who is under you, it's not by accident. I remember one time being a 20-year-old in the Air Force... I was off this day and, and got called in. My boss had called and said, hey, could you offload this fuel tanker? Um, we're short-handed. Could you come in and do that? And I said, I, I said sure, I'll, I'll be in. 
So I went right where the fuel tanker was going to go, and I'm offloading it. And I start talking. The, the, the trucker gets out, and he was much older than I am. He was, he was in his 50s, 60s, and I couldn't see his eyes. He had his like, prescription dark glasses, just cussing up a storm as, as normal. We get everything hooked up, and we're offloading the fuel into the tank, and I start to witness to him. I can't read him at all. I can't tell nothing by his body language. He's stoic. And best I could tell, he doesn't want to hear this. But I, I wasn't sure. And I'm going through it, and I get right near the end. And all of a sudden, from the bottom of his glasses, tears just start streaming down. Now I'm getting excited. I know he's under conviction. I finish it, and I ask him, I said, would you like to put your faith in Christ? He says, yes, I would. He, puts his, he, he repents and places his faith in Christ and he takes off his glasses and he's wiping his eyes. And, and to listen to how he said, he, before, I didn't even tell him I was supposed to be the other day. He said, I wasn't even supposed to be on this run today. He was out of Armorillo. He said, I got called in. Somebody else got sick. They asked me to do this run. He said, my son just graduated from Bible college. He said, he's been praying for my salvation. Uh, I don't remember what it was, for years. or I think he gave me the number of years. For years. He never listened to him. And then right there, that conviction hit. You never know who the Lord's going to put before you. If we're going to have a heart for the harvest, that includes looking for that one. So who is that one? Who is it you need to come pray about? And if you don't have somebody, come pray, Lord, please put somebody on my heart. Maybe that busyness has just consumed your thoughts and God's Spirit can't even direct you. Listen, as I said last night, we're all missionaries. That's why we're here. If the Lord worked, if the Lord spoke to your heart, you come and pray. Father, I'm going to bless this invitation, work in hearts and lives, Lord. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's turn to page number 520. If you need to come and pray, you come and pray.